Kool-Aid drinkers, Big Z here. Oh, boy, do we have a surprise for you. We got a man that is writing about the Lions nonstop this offseason. has been for the past few years. Uh, but we'll wait till you dive into the podcast to see who that is. Uh, we'll be talking everything about the Lions, uh, the wide receiver core, the draft, the salary cap, a little bit of everything. And also get a little background on him and, you know, his story behind covering the Detroit Lions. So a lot to talk about. The draft is coming up. It's an exciting time to be a Lions fan with, under this new regime with Dan Campbell, Chris Spielman, <laughs> Brad Holmes. Anyways, sit back, relax, grab your Kool-Aid. It's time for the pod. All right, Blue Kool-Aid drinkers, we are back, and we have a, a special guest for the show, arguably our biggest guest yet on the podcast, and we'll get to that in a moment, but I'm just going to go introduce around uh, everybody here. We got the whole Blue Kool-Aid crew, so I'm Big Z, your host, and let's go around to the rest. So we got UJ. Hello, everybody. Rudd Dog. Yo. Connor. Hello there. And Bob. Hey, guys. All right, gentlemen, so... The last time we talked, it was pre-free agency. Uh, there's been a lot that happened. We wanted the week to wrap up to really kind of gather everything that the Lions are doing and their future plans. And, boy, there, there's a lot of activity on the Lions' side, maybe more than people were anticipating. Um, so we're going to be covering all that. But let me get to our uh, special guest here. Um, it's Michael Rothstein, ESPN staff writer, uh, repre- uh, the beat writer for the Detroit Lions, and... I'm just a little intro to you. So, Mike, Michael, you've been you've been around. I mean, you've traveled the country. It looks like just based on your career, uh, you started in. You're New just York. calling me old, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. Uh, so you graduated from Syracuse and you worked out in uh, California. Looks like for a little while, then Virginia, then you covered Notre Dame, then you covered Michigan for a while, and now you've been covering the Lions. So, I mean, you've done it all. You won a lot of awards. Uh, congratulations with all those. Uh, we're just really thank happy you. to have you on the show. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, I, I, it's a pleasure to be here, although I, I'm kind of honestly disappointed that it's not the Blue Hawaiian Punch podcast because I feel like that would just be way more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Take it under consideration. We'll think about that. <laughs> we copyright. No, I'm not knocking the name. I get the Kool-Aid. I understand the uh, – but, you know, just for – Variety's sake, blue Hawaiian punch, I think, would be really good, especially since one of their colors is Honolulu blue. Yeah. Good point. Oh, yeah. Point. <laughs> um, and I, I think you're going to, as we, I mean, we live by our title uh, on here, Michael. Uh, we, uh, we we drink the Kool-Aid hard. We are diehard fans, uh, and we, we have a more optimistic view on the future of the franchise and maybe some other Lions fans out there, at least that you see on the internet at times. Um, but before we get into our like deep dive questions, uh, Michael, I wanted to first ask you: Did you grow up a Lions fan? And if not, do you do you consider yourself one now? I'm, I'm kind of interested on your at least your football fandom, or if you uh, or a lot of journalists don't even have a favorite team necessarily. You know, you know, Zach, you're just walking right into the question that always gets me in trouble <laughs> every time. Uh, no, I am not a Detroit Lions fan. I have never been a Detroit Lions fan. I did not grow up in the state of Michigan. I am currently the fan of no team in the NFL. The only team I have interest in from a professional level is a little bit the New York Mets. So I grew up in New York um, because my dad is a diehard Mets fan. And uh, that's a hun- 
in a normal season, 162 games. And if they win more than they lose, then my dad's happier. And that's great. <laughs> and then I'm also a fan of the Calgary Flames. And that's because my friend Chris Snow is their assistant general manager. And if you followed anything in sports recently, uh, you would know that Chris Snow has ALS. So I would root for Chris and the Flames anyway, mostly Chris, because of I want my friend Chris to be employed, but also obviously with him having ALS, I would love to see the Flames somehow win a Stanley Cup uh, for him. And that would be just something that would be amazing. And uh, as somebody who's known him for 20 years, uh, would be awesome. But that is the extent of my fandom. And uh, I have just really, once I got into this business, I kind of lost it a little bit, especially once I started covering colleges. And then when I covered college football, you kind of just lose that. I went to Syracuse, but you just kind of lost the fandom because you you see that everybody's a person. And, you know, if you're a fan and, and fans hate when I say this, so I'm good. You might boot me off this podcast here, <laughs> y'all, like five minutes in. Uh, if you're a fan in some ways, especially the way some fans act, you are in some ways rooting for laundry over the humans wearing the jersey and coaching your team because think of how often you see when somebody leaves a team and listen the Matthew Stafford split was very amicable right but there are fans that are mad at Calvin Johnson because Calvin Johnson doesn't want to give because Calvin Johnson was asked to have money come back he had to pay money back Mm -hmm. and fans are angry at Calvin Johnson. They're like, that's ridiculous. And the same thing happened with Barry Sanders. And it's like, those are the two of your best players in franchise history. Well, what are you loyal to? Are you loyal to the player that, that made the team great and that you cheered for? Or are you loyal to the, the piece of cloth on the fabric? And that, that's a difficult question. And it's a different, different answer for every fan. And I understand why they do that. But like, that was something I learned when I started covering sports uh, and certainly when I covered pro sports a little bit more. Uh, and that just kind of really took a lot of it out me, out of me. And now, you know, you like to see people who you believe are good people or who you've gotten to build a relationship with that if you see them do well, Kerry Hyder is a good example. I don't cover Kerry yeah. Hyder anymore. He just got another good but, contract. <laughs> right. But Kerry Hyder just signed a really nice deal in Seattle. <laughs> and that's awesome for Kerry Hyder. And I, you know, I sent Kerry a, a short note. And I said, Hey man, I'm happy for you. That's great. Like, because I had built a professional relationship with Kerry Hyder and it was awesome to see him be able to, to cash in and do that. So that's where that changes, at least to me on a professional level, I don't root for anybody. The person I root for is me. And by me, I mean the best possible story. And that. You know, like I said, now that we've alienated all of your listeners, <laughs> uh, well, what, what what better story is there than the Lions' improbable run to the Super Bowl this year, right? So there you go. Yeah. That you're you in know, the perfect position I, right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I just don't see it happening. I there, there's just too many holes. I mean, look at look at right now. Detroit's number one wide receiver is Tyrell Williams. I don't know if that's a, a wide receiver number one that you can – I think Tyrell is a good receiver, and I think he can be a very effective receiver in the offense. But I don't know if he can be your number one receiver. Yeah, I mean, so TJ Hawkins is maybe really your number one receiver, right? Yeah. So DeAndre Swift is maybe really your number two receiver. But you're going to give Jamal Williams the ball a lot too. So you have a good run game. But your defense – 
your defensive line now actually has some players, but linebacker, a uh, lot of question marks there. Corner, you're betting on development. You're betting on guys coming back from injury, and you're betting on that Matt Patricia scheme was just not something that worked for anyone, and that was the scheme and not the players. And then at safety, you know, it's kind of who does Tracy Walker bounce back? What else does that look like? Yeah. There's just a lot of questions. And even, frankly, at kicker, there's questions. Yeah. Because Matt Prater, listen, Matt Prater didn't have his best year last year. You know, he'll be the first one to admit that. But you had a guy that you knew at the end of the game, if you were in a situation that, hey, you need a field goal to win or tie, that dude was going to make it for you because he never did. Made it every, one, every time in his career. Randy Bullock doesn't give you that type of consistency and that type of necessary clutch performance. He can, but it's not with that level of comfort. Yeah. So, you know, and that's all on top of the new coach, new GM, and just the reality of what the roster looks like. I so, mean, sorry yeah, to be yeah, this yeah. wet no, blanket of sad. <laughs> no, we appreciate podcast, that. But. And I think we're going to have some, uh, like, more deep dive questions on that. So, Bob, I'm going to throw it over to you. Uh, yeah. I believe you had a question especially related to the wide receivers, right? Yeah. Uh, Michael, yeah, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Um, uh, yeah, the wide receivers. Well, the question was like you're you're saying how empty the wide receiver room is right now. Could you see the Lions using that first pick on a wide receiver or possibly a tight end uh, with Kyle Pitts? Yes, a hundred percent. Yes. If you asked me to handicap it, I would say that if the board falls how a lot of people expect it to fall at this point, and that all four of the top quarterbacks are gone by pick seven, so there's really not as big of a trade down scenario unless a team is absolutely enamored with Mac Jones, then I think you're taking the best player on the board and the best player on the board more than likely is going to be a receiver or it's going to be, and I'm going to butcher his name and I apologize, Penny Sewell from, or yeah, that's the guy I like. uh, offensive lineman. So, you know, do they take an offensive lineman? You know, I wouldn't think that that would be the worst pick in the world. I don't think fans would like it. But what you would do is you give yourself high-level bookend tackles for the next 10 years, and you'd really make the offensive line a strength because now you have a combination of Terrell Crosby's either your swing tackle or he's your starting guard or your your kicking Vitae into guard, and you have have the semblance of a pretty, pretty good offensive line that can protect Jared Goff and make some holes for DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. That said – I think they know they need a receiver. I think that if the four quarterbacks go as they go, one of five or six is going to take Sewell. So I would anticipate that you're going to have a high-level receiver on the board, whether that's Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, or if you're the Lions and Jamar Chase is there, I mean, you're. I would sprint to the podium because I think that is the best receiver in the class. So I, I would look at one of those three, but – Dan Campbell is a former tight end. You get the sense they're going to want to run the ball a lot. Kyle Pitts is not your typical tight end in that he's more of a big slot. He's kind of what, to me, he's in the similar mold of what uh, Eric Ebron has turned into, frankly. Not necessarily what he was in Detroit, but what he has turned into in Indianapolis, a little bit in Pittsburgh, um, and just maybe a little bit more talented. So to me... Yeah, I could see that making sense if you want to really build a kind of running heavy, two tight end, running back type offense, then sure, Kyle Pitts would make sense. I Could I see them taking Micah Parsons? 
Sure. Could I see them taking maybe like a Caleb Farley or a Patrick Sertan if they were really in love with one of those guys, the two corners? Maybe. Um, that would be, I think, uh, that would be to me the biggest stretch of all. But I think the, you know, Mel Kuyper and I were talking about this. This is a this is a draft where it's seven. If you want an elite player, all of the elite players are on offense. And only one is maybe on defense, and that's Michael Parsons. And you still don't know what you're going to get. Now, I know he ran a great 40 here today i don't know when this yeah. is going to come out so that's going to be that's going to be attractive but if you listen to brad holmes talk before the combine or the combine media availability since there wasn't really a combine he talked a lot about how 40 speed is nice but like they care about play speed more and you don't have play speed on michael parsons for a year so i don't know what you do with michael parsons plus there are definitely some character issues that you're going to have you at least investigate if you are the lions so i just don't know i would look at the offensive prospect the cleaner prospect because i also think that that's the area of the area of your football team where you're the closest to being able to have something really um competitive michael uh when i say competitive i mean like on a possible like winning a division level i think you're much closer offensively than defensively so if you can build that up as a strength and then try to really build the defense through what you're bringing in now the latter end of the draft and then the hot top end of the draft next year, that might be the way to go. Well, so that kind of segues perfectly into a question I was going to ask is that, uh, so I know you, you can, you think they're kind of in a rebuild, but let's say they want to really get the most impact out of the draft this year to try to win. Now, who do you see at seven being the best play, player to do that, to be a immediate impact to make this team have a chance at pulling out wins more likely this year? Well, I, I still think it's a receiver. Yeah. Uh, because you look at the room, right? I mean, the room is Tyrell Williams, Brashad Perryman, Quintus Cephas, uh, Khalif Raymond, who I think has 14 career catches, um, and Damian Ratley, who I, I'm assuming they signed for special teams. Um, yeah. because he, you look at his production so far in the league and it hasn't been there. So I look at it and I say, if you, if you're trying to like read the board, right. And read what's going on in free agency. Well, yeah, they need a linebacker and they need a receiver. And those are their two biggest holes right now at the moment without question. So where are you going to go? And I think if you're sticking at seven, Maybe you're taking a receiver if you're able to get one of those three elite guys. But here's the thing. If you are the Lions and you get a trade down option, like let's just say that the board plays out differently because it, it oftentimes does. And you can trade down a 12, 13 and get the the guy from Notre Dame, the linebacker from Notre Dame, who I, I think is a fantastic player. Oh, he's good. Uh, yeah, sound tackler. Yeah, I mean, he's the type of guy I feel like that, that they would really want that would maybe fit well in their defense. If you can trade down and get him. And then the one thing about receiver now, which is similar to I running back is that because of the way offenses are built in college, you can get a receiver at almost every level and have a chance of them being productive. I mean, you look at the lions receivers, Kenny Galladay, third round pick Marvin Jones was a day three pick back in Cincinnati. They took Quintus Cephas in the fifth round and he's shown some, potential here and there uh golden oh, tape was man. a day two we got a big Cephas fan round. on the podcast here uh michael rud dog yeah. over there <laughs> yes yeah, so, i mean you did but, but i'm just saying you look at all those guys like you don't need to take that that round one receiver because if you are taking that round one receiver you need them to be i mean it's not fair to compare anybody to calvin or to julio right like let's let's be honest 
but you need them to be like Mike Evans at least. Yeah. Like if you're taking a receiver in round one, especially that high, because that's where Mike Evans was taken, you need them to be like Mike Evans. And can those three guys be that? I think, yeah, I think all three have a real shot at being that level of good. Um, but you just have to decide if that's where you want the value to be or you find the value somewhere else. There's a ton of depth at receiver, too. So, like, Rondell Moore just ran a sub-4-3. I mean, there's going to be – Yeah, but don't forget, it's not all speed, too, when right. it comes to the NFL. A lot of it's route tree and a lot of it's blocking and a lot of it's, um, you know, straight line speed is great. But if straight line speed were a thing, I mean, James Jett would have been the best wide receiver in NFL <laughs> history. And – you know, I know. Seriously, I'm like, and like guys like Ronaldo Nehemiah. I mean, I was going way back in the day. <laughs> you know, I mean, John Ross, another good example. Like these, although he's had injury issues, but like you look at it, right? And if you, if it was solely based off of speed and straight line speed, you would have some of these guys that were that are high level sprinters as well. Yeah, that would be also be top, be the top receivers and you don't necessarily see that these guys run fast that's true but i mean like rondell moore was a total playmaker for i'm not disagreeing with you i'm just saying you pointed out specific speed oh, yeah, i'm yeah. saying rondell rondell moore i think has a lot more to offer potentially as a receiver than just speed but there are guys that just get drafted for sure. pure speed and i mean that like marquise goodwin's a great example Marquise Goodwin developed into a pretty good receiver, but mm-hmm. still, what's his what's the attribute he's really only known for? Straight yeah. line speed fly rates. Definitely. So let, let's flip this over to the defense side of the ball. And Connor, I believe you have a question uh here for in, in regards to that. Yeah, uh Michael. So I know uh obviously defense has been a big question mark for this team. Uh last year was one of the worst defenses I think Alliance fans have ever seen in the last 40 years. Um it was not good. <laughs> There's been some bad um, ones too. So to be the worst is really something. One of, yeah, no. And one of those biggest complaints I've seen is on the pass rush. Um, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on the Lions' plans for that. I know they signed uh, Alex Anzalone from the Saints. Um, he seems more like a stopgap option. And I know there was that Charles Harris line where uh, the owner told him to go get the quarterback. Like that was his job. Um, but Michael Brockers. Yeah. Well, it is his job. I mean, like that's not. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was just curious what your thoughts are, like long term, like the Lions um, in terms sure. of fixing the pass rush. Which, I mean, I think right. I think right now, when you look at long term, uh, you know, let, let's for for argument's sake call long term two thousand twenty three and beyond. Right. Um, long term, you maybe have two guys on this roster right now that are long term answers. Um, and they both might have the last name of Oquara. Hmm. Like, you know, you signed Romeo to a three-year deal. Obviously, you know, with all the money, the way the money is structured, two-year deal with, prob- you know, and then yeah. if he plays playing well, he'll get the third year. But he's still ascending. He's going to get more help this year because Brockers in the middle or wherever they play Brockers is going to garner more attention than the Danny Shelton, Nick Williams, John Penasini trio in the middle, like that just didn't really do anything for the Lions from a pass rush perspective or a double team perspective. And then don't forget too, Romeo Okora did so much of his work with Trey Flowers out. If Trey Flowers is back and they use Trey Flowers correctly, where you use him as a full down back, that or a full down, sorry, now full down end, where you use him on every down, mm-hmm. 
Well, you can't really double Romeo Okora because Trey Flowers will win the one-on-one matchup. Trey Flowers is a good football player when he's actually used in a in a correct way. So, and he's a guy that can, and both Romeo and Trey can play inside on passing downs too, which makes things maybe better for say like a Julian Okora. So, I think that they have some options here i think that they have more options here i like their defensive line a lot better than i did a month ago uh as far as the talent goes because you know you got nick williams to take a little bit of a pay cut i don't think that nick williams is a guy that's going to really factor in a ton frankly um because i think you saw last year the nick williams that you'd seen every other year except for the 2019 season so and that's not a knock on Nick Williams. That's just the truth of it. He had one really good year in the NFL, or one good year in the NFL, and then everything else had been kind of what you saw last season. So I like what they've done move-wise. I think that, you know, bringing Romeo back was the smart play. Uh, I think trading for Michael Brockers for basically because the Rams needed to get rid of the contract and then giving Brockers a new contract will be good for both on-field stuff with the defensive line, but also, frankly, for the culture and what they're trying to build in that locker room. And then Trey Flowers, as long as Trey Flowers is healthy, you're going to get a good player in Trey Flowers. So I think that they have good frontline talent. And then if you are the Lions, if Austin Bryant and Julian O'Quara can turn into something, then you have some real potential to actually have a deep, sustainable pass rush, which the Lions haven't had since guys named Sue and Fairley and Ansa and Tap and CJ Mosley were all on the same defensive line. Squandered by a Joe Lombardi offense. (laughs) (laughs) There are those rumors of the Sue reunion, but obviously it didn't happen. They re-signed with Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I I wrote that that was a possibility because – thought maybe if Tampa didn't want him or if they wanted to bring that that kind of salt of the earth guy but listen I think to me and I it's not I have no this is all pure speculation on my part right like if you're Sue you want to go back to Tampa because yeah. you won and you got a chance to win again and and at, at this point in your career your your best shot at getting a better legacy meaning like possible Hall of Fame, et cetera, et cetera, is winning a couple more Super Bowls. And if you think you can do that in Tampa, I think you go do that. You come here, you got no shot at doing that. Oh, at least this whoa, year. No. This year. Come on, man. Let me get you to cool it, Michael. Wait, no, I'm going to ask you all a question, all right? No, I do. We're going to here. What gives you, since y'all just, you know, kind of gave me some guff for saying that this team's not a Super Bowl team this year. What gives you the hope and the faith that they let's are go, going to be a Super Bowl? Let's go to UJ. UJ, let's let's go to you. We drink a lot of Kool-Aid. Okay. Wait, wait, UJ, yeah, you got to answer his question. On, uh, uh, it relates to Dan Campbell, I think, a little bit yeah. for you. Oh. oh. We answered it kind of. Wait. We drink a lot of Kool-Aid, Michael. A lot. So we are, I mean, a lot. You have no idea how much we drink. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that's what we got going for us, basically. And and until like the hope fades and the Kool-Aid gets so sour or something, but we we just, we just drink it up. It's great. You mentioned Sheila, not to completely take your podcast off the rails, but (laughs) you mentioned Sheila. Like I, if I'm the only person who's, I'm the only person that's covered this team that's written anything of substance on Sheila Fordham. 
And when I wrote in September, I was like, listen, she's going to come in. She's going to do things differently. She's going to go and get her guy. She's going to make the decision she believes is right, even if people don't necessarily agree with her on the outside. Well, you know, that story kind of got criticized a little bit because people were like, oh, she's running. She's helping to run a theater. She's running a museum. What does that mean? Well, look at what she did. She did the same exact thing as she had done in her other places when she was a you know, basically running boards. And this is really what she's doing. Just, you know, this is a billion dollar deal. Like she brought in people she believes in. She brought in people who know what they're doing and are letting them do the job. And she's made really on the face of it. Now, granted, I say this now and in two years, this might be a completely erroneous statement, but she's made hires that on the face look very good. Mm -hmm in Dan Campbell and in Brad Holmes. And more so, she's been very big in establishing a culture that is very Detroit. And that's something that obviously they didn't have with the last regime. And I would argue they probably didn't have with the last few. Um, and, and she's really kind of done that because she's found people that, that she found the person that she felt was the best head coach candidate. She found the person that she felt was the best general manager candidate. And she didn't care whether they knew each other, or they were buddies or anything like that. She's like, work together, make it work. And I mean, so far it has, but again, this is all the honeymoon, you know, phase. still very honeymoon phase, yeah. but I I'm just, it. I'm just saying that I think she'll, I think Sheila Fordham is going to prove to be a good NFL owner. I'm not saying it's going to lead to championships or titles or anything like that, but I think she's going to be a good NFL owner. And I think she's already shown that she's not like her parents. I think she's already shown that less than a year. Ago. Yeah. All right, UJ, hit them up with your question. Yeah, Michael, sorry. Hey, with this new coaching staff, for, it's kind of a okay. multifaceted question. The new coaching staff, do you think that this is a more attractive place for free agents? Two, uh, with Campbell, if he wins the Super Bowl with the Lions, will he be considered the greatest coach of all time? And then three, just on a personal level, are you are are you looking forward to covering this new staff? They seem like a fun group of guys. All right, so <laughs> I am going to hmm try to decide how I want to answer these questions. Okay, so I'll take the last question first in saying that I think that the staff that Dan Campbell has hired is going to be very interesting. I think they are going to be a lot more. Um, fan friendly than the last staff. Uh, I think they're going to be a lot more media friendly than the last staff. Uh, I think they're going to be a lot more interesting than the last staff. And I think from top to bottom, from a coaching point of view, I think they're, they're going to be a lot more talented than the last staff. I think you, uh, you already see that with some of uh, you know, the hires that they've made. Now, listen, there are questions. Aaron, Aaron Glenn's never called a defense. Anthony Lynn has really one year of offensive coordinator experience. Mark Brunel, I mean, he's never been a real – I mean, he's been a quarterback mentor, and he obviously has 20 years in the league, but he's never been an NFL quarterback or even a college quarterback coach before. Mm -hmm. He was a high school head coach. So there are some places that I'm looking, I'm like, well, let, let's see how the development goes. you know. And, and that quarterback spot, maybe not as important this year with golf, but down the road potentially could be really important. So I like the staff. I like what they've done. Um, if Dan Campbell wins a Super Bowl, will that make him the best coach of all time? Um, Lions coach, yes. <laughs> oh, 
Tell him him making the Lions right. the Super That's Bowl. Fine. Even a playoff, even like a playoff win would do play. wonders for. Uh, but I, I just, I'm just saying, I would just say this that like you have to remember what the Patriots were before Bill Belichick. You have to remember what I mean. The Steelers are not a good example, but you have to remember what some of these other some other teams, what the Seahawks were. I mean, before Pete Carroll got there, like every team except for really kind of the Lions and the Browns and you know, maybe the Jaguars and mm-hmm. you can argue the Texans, like they, they ebb and they flow and, and, you know, you go through highs and you go through lows. I mean, you know, the giants were great with Bill Parcells and the giants are pretty darn good with Dan Reeves. And, you know, like the giants have not been good for a while, but like, so I guess my point is this, is that if Dan Campbell were to take the lions to the Super Bowl then I would say that, yes, that would make him the best the best coach in franchise history. Um, He'd be like the Mike so, Dicka of the Lions. Like, Yes, that would be a very fair example from a modern era because that's the thing, right? I, I, I just don't think that one Super Bowl appearance or even a Super Bowl win would put him in that same stratosphere as Chuck Noll and Bill Belichick and, you know, Vince Lombardi and – even Pete Carroll, like that's just not like, yeah. Get get back if now. Listen, if he's if he turns this team around and makes them into something that's sustainable success over the over a decade, and you win four or five division titles, and and you maybe you win you get to a couple conference championships games, you maybe get to a couple of Super Bowls, then you can start having the conversation of maybe not the best coach ever, but like he is a really 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 good football coach and he's the guy that solved the prob- the perennial problem in Detroit. We're uh, we're going to mark you down for March 25th, 2031, Michael. We're going to ask you the same question uh, we, uh <laughs> All right. Yeah, you know, I was going to say mark that time on your calendar. Be, uh, I was going to say I, I don't know I, are, are I we talking thought about, it was an easy uh, answer. coach Kellen Moore at that point <laughs> <Yeah>. or <laughs> right. <laughs> well, just for the record, I think most Lions fans are going to disagree with your answer because if he wins a Super Bowl, the Lions, he's the greatest. Well, sure, but but you're looking from you're looking at it from a perspective of a Lions fan, which is exactly what I would expect. I, I'm looking from the perspective of um, dudes who have taken their teams to you know two to have taken yeah. te- multiple teams to Super Bowls. I mean, Sean Sean Payton is in that conversation. Like he's been really good. Like there's just so many. God, I'm just saying, one Super Bowl in Detroit won't make a guy yeah. the best coach. It'll make him a really dark emotional coach. question. And let's be honest, it should absolutely if get him a statue, yeah. maybe a couple. You That's know, better. maybe get one right in front of Ford That's Field, better. and maybe get one in front of Alan Park. Be holding the hammer you know, of Thor maybe. in it too, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, we've gone on for too long about this type of yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, <laughs> I have uh, one more question for you here, Michael. Uh, and now that we're kind of getting towards the end of this, uh, more about the future here, State Alliance. Uh, you know, so the salary, salary cap lord this year, Garrett Goff just got his uh, $20 million uh, like restructured going forward. So that's $5 million more added to the cap, going, uh, I think, for the next three years, correct? Um uh, well, yeah, basically five million on every year. This one, this one, but every year of his deal. Yeah. So, uh, that get that freed up, I think, fifteen million dollars in the cap this year for Lions to work with. But, um, I'm just curious, 
where is the state of the Lions salary crib now and going forward? Because the line, the NFL just signed that huge hundred ten billion dollar deal, and I heard so the cap right now is one eighty two and a half, right? And then right. I heard Something by like two thousand twenty three or two thousand twenty five, it could be all the way up to two hundred thirty million. That's a huge leap, and uh, sure, possibly. That that's what some of the court. Obviously, you don't know, but there could be another. Yeah, point. I mean, who know? Listen. A year ago, or I don't want to say a year ago because it's March 25th and we were a lot of us were in lockdown. A year and a half ago, or 14 months ago, who would have thought that the last 12 months would have unfolded the way that they did? I mean, you just you can't predict. But I would say this, that no, the Lions and every team in the league is, except for maybe a couple of teams that, you know, made a lot of kind of kick the can down the road decisions with restructures, um, I think every team is going to end up being in a good salary cap situation. I think it's why you're seeing some guys take shorter term deals to cash in again, oh, for sure. Because you know you you play you play on an eight million dollar deal this year. I'm just throwing that number out there, right? Like you thought, oh man, like you know going in like before the, the pandemic, going into the contract year, you're like you know if I play well, maybe I'll get a three year, thirty five million dollar deal, feel really good about it, and then. You play all right, but the market craves. Well, you take a one-year, $8 million deal. I'm just, you know, I, there's not even a player I'm basing this on. I'm just saying. But now you hit the market again when the cap theoretically might go up. And that's, to me, the strategy for a player. Uh, unless you're able to get paid like Kenny Galladay got paid. Or paid very much like Romeo Aquara got paid. But that's the thing with Romeo Aquara, right? Romeo Aquara, at the end of his deal, will still be 28, 29 years old. So he'll get to make more money again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, if Romeo, like, and that was smart on Romeo Aquara because Romeo Aquara, if he had signed like a five-year deal, I don't get the sense that the Lions were handing any of those out. Mm -hmm. But if he had, like, that's, there's your big payday. And I would rather, knowing what the TV money is going to be, try to put myself in position for a big payday in two, three years. That's, but that's just me. And I think you, I think you saw some of that around the league this year. And, uh, you know, the Lions, like, Teams like the Lions, though, they also, I don't think, were in position to sign anybody really long, long term, because they are, even if they don't want to call it rebuilding, they are reconstructing, they are reconfiguring, they are rebooting, they are whatever word you want to use. <laughs> Semantics, yeah. Yeah, they are, they are, they are having to take this roster and bring in a whole bunch of new pieces. And you want to make sure those pieces fit and you don't want to give too much money to a piece that you are either not sure they're going to fit or you don't know if they're going to fit two years from now. You think they might be a foundational piece, but you don't know for sure. Because, I mean, that's listen, that's what happened with the Lions last year. I mean, that's why Vitae's contract is what it is. That's why Jamie Collins' contract in some ways is what it is. That's why the Lions maybe had to eat some money on Chase Daniel because they were buying into a bigger plan. And this this regime seems to say, okay, listen, we we want to build through the draft. Brad Holmes has been very open about wanting to build through the draft, and that's how they're going to do it. And they're going to need guys in the meantime to be mentors, like a Michael Brockers, or to be young talent that they think that they maybe maybe can build around. And that's like maybe a guy like a Jalen Reeves, maybe if they can find a bigger role for him on the defense, a guy like a Romeo Aquara, a guy like a Julian Aquara. You know, we'll see what they end up doing with Tracy Walker. Frank Ragnow, to me, ends up being a no-brainer for a contract extension Mm -hmm. because he's one of the best centers in the NFL. So I think that there's a lot of question marks that you have 
on this team that TJ Hawkinson, if he continues to play at this rate, is going to cost you a lot of money by the time you're ready to be good. Like right now, if you're the Lions, you're trying to set yourself up. So 2023, you have a team that can really, really, really contend and maybe make some real noise. And, and that might sound not great for fans who like a lot of Kool-Aid, but um, if, if you are taking them at their word that they want sustained success, then that is – sustained success doesn't come through free agency. Ask almost any nope. team in the NFL. It doesn't work. Because even the Bucks, right? The Bucks had a lot of people they brought in as free agents last year. But look at the core that they had. Look at all those guys that made plays. Chris Godwin. Been there three, four years. Shaquille Barrett, been there a little while. Levante David, homegrown type player. Some of their offensive line, homegrown. And you just, they just, what they needed was a quarterback. And then they went and they got the quarterback. So I could see the Lions very much trying to be in that type of model of saying, you know what, we're going to build the rest of this team. And if Jared Goff ends up being the guy, then that's fantastic for the Lions. Jared Goff, they, they really won the Matthew Stafford trade because they got a quarterback along with all these extra picks to help build their roster. And if he's not, well, if you're Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes by 2023, you're hoping, hey, you know, got a really good core here that can be together for two, three years. Don't really like the quarterback situation. Maybe there's a veteran out there like, oh, I don't know, like a guy who's up maybe in two, three years. I'm, I'm, I'll throw a name out, like a, like, a, like a Russell Wilson type. Like, you know, a guy who's like, okay, I got four or five more years left. Mm-hmm. Go, you know, and the quarterback ends up being the last piece. I think that Tampa Bay is showing that you can do it that way if everyone else is on pretty reasonable contracts. Um, where I think the common theme has been for so long that you need the quarterback on the rookie contract so that way you can pay everybody else. I think what you're seeing now is if you get everybody else and then you bring the quarterback in at the end and pay the quarterback, but you know it's a veteran who can do the job, that's a way you can win too. Or maybe just Tom Brady's that good. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Michael, I don't want to take any more of your time. I, I really appreciate you uh, coming on to the podcast. We all really appreciate it. Um, before we go, uh, do you want to let the listeners know where we, they can follow you on social media and any other information you'd like to give sure. them and any other reason? Yeah. Uh, you can follow me. Uh, yeah. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram and on clubhouse, which I uh, have barely used <laughs> all at Mike Rothstein. And that is, you can follow me, I guess on Facebook at Michael Rothstein journalist, but I, I don't really use that. And I'm not as interactive on there, but Twitter and Instagram, I try to be pretty interactive on. So uh, that's at Mike Rothstein on both of those platforms. And at some point, I'm going to figure out some more regular clubhouse situation uh, and kind of maybe try to do some more stuff there. But I really appreciate y'all having me. Uh, it was a really lot, a lot of fun. It challenged me a little bit, which I like. Uh, and uh, no, I really appreciate y'all having me around. We can't. All right. Thank you. We look forward to your front page articles on ESPN with the Lions, yeah. uh, you know, heading towards the Super Bowl on their Super Bowl run. Yeah. So, <laughs> <All right. laughs> take care, y'all. Thank you. Wow. Thank you to Michael Rothstein again uh, for great. coming on the podcast. That was great of him to come on, uh, spend his time. Uh, he's a busy guy. Uh, so, we were really glad to have him on. 
Um, interesting takes on certain things. Uh, He's more Kool Aid, but I like him. Yeah, he he needs a lot more Kool Aid. Well, maybe we'll get him on here again. Uh, you know, when the lines are. When we're ten and zero this year. He'll get on board. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, but that was cool. That's definitely uh, so. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. Uh, again, I think going forward now we'll have a lot more draft talk coming up on the podcast. So be on the lookout for that, listeners. And maybe we'll have some draft experts come on here as well. Uh, although I think we're pretty good experts ourselves. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, <laughs> but we'll look into that. Uh, regardless, um, a lot more to talk about. This, the draft is a month away. A month away. Crazy. Uh, wow. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Twitter at Drinking Lions. Instagram at Drinking the Blue Kool Aid. Please follow us on there. Please subscribe to podcasts on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast we really appreciate it so for connor bob rud dog uj and our producer kid j hey. big z thank you everybody for listening and last but not least as always go go go, go. go. forward down the field a charging team that will not yield and when the blue and silver wave, stand and cheer the brave. Rock, rock, rock. Go hard, win the game. With honor, you will keep your fame. Down the field and gain a Lions victory.